When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hey, Bunk Bunkers, welcome to another thrilling episode of Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. <laughs> and then it explodes, yeah. Uh, Andy, perhaps this week we should have been saying Hajime Mashte. <laughs> uh yeah, Art, I'm from Ohio, Gozimus. <laughs> oh, uh Mashte, uh roughly translating into English from Japanese, uh meaning like nice to meet you or nice nice to meet you. I don't know uh, why I'd be saying that actually. <laughs> uh, domo arigato. <laughs> Oh, boy. Hey, that's because Andy this week our topic takes us all the way to Japan. Yeah, we're uh, we're taking one of these long flights and going very long, such long uh, flights across the international dateline. So we're traveling into the future uh, and headed to Japan. That's right. Uh, we are discover. We are uh, looking at this week the uh, Kera object, the Kera UFO uh, of uh, Kera in Kochi Prefecture in Japan. Kind of, kind of towards the uh, well. What we would probably say is the southern part of Japan, but what they would say is the western part. Because if I remember correctly, like Japan goes from west to east. Not they don't really say it from north to south. I could be totally wrong on that. But it's like that little island nestled under in the little, the small yeah. of the back of the big island. Right. It, it it's yeah, it's uh I think it's kind of near Osaka. It's uh it's kind of near Hiroshima. That too. What's the big island? Hokkaido? Uh anyway, yes. Uh Andy, Hokkaido is the uh northernmost uh yes. Uh I believe Hokkaido is its own prefecture in Japan and uh is the is the northernmost. It's very snowy up there. It's very lovely. A lot of good, a uh, lot of good eats. I mean, a lot of good eats all over Japan, but I've heard especially good things about Hokkaido. 
And um, anyway, Andy, we are uh, we're covering the uh, Kara UFO. It's, this is a this is a fun, family friendly little story, wouldn't you say, Andy? Yeah, I would say this is uh, you know. Honestly, uh, surprising that this just hasn't been made exactly just into a movie already. You know, in some ways, people say it, it could have been the inspiration for things. Like, it's very Stand By Me-esque. It's right. very Super 8-esque. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll touch yeah. on those as well in the script and in our discussion. But if you want to touch your brain <laughs> with... <laughs> today's topic oh boy right away you can look in the show notes look in the description find that timestamp that'll take you directly to when the episode begins there will be a a time code a timestamp in the show notes that'll tell you right where you should uh fast forward ahead to so that you can uh, get right into the research show but first andy and i well we need to uh we need to fucking uh we need to check in because yeah. uh we kind of got slighted this week, Andy, and I think we're both a little peeved by it. Yeah, we're, uh, there's no, there's no way to get around it, uh, Bunk Funkers. Art and I are PO'd, uh, right now at Mr. Bunker. We're um, fuming. There's steam coming out of our ears. I mean, you know, it's, it's not a pretty sight. Yeah, it's, it's a bad situation. We're frustrated. Um, as as you know, because you listen every week, as you know, uh, Mr. Bunker has been traveling the globe. Um, he's been all over the place. He's been into outer space even. Um, early on uh, in the coronavirus pandemic, he immediately went to Wuhan in China. He got infected as early as possible. He has all these antibodies in his system yeah. now, and he's just going around the world, living it up. Well, this week... Guess where he went? He's always on topic. He was in Japan. And uh, I guess as it turns out, um, well, I mean, let me take a step back. I'm sorry. I'm fuming. I'm steamed like a piece of broccoli here, okay? Yeah. We're- uh, <laughs> I'm green and I smell like sulfur. Look, <laughs> Mr. Bunker sends us a postcard every week. Uh, That's right. To let us know where he's been, what he's been up to, and to tell us what we're working on. Uh, for the week um, and this week was no different we got a postcard this postcard came postmarked from Japan on the front of it it's always a picture of him what he's doing it's a picture of him and he's got two puppets and one of them is very clearly an art puppet and one of them is very clearly an Andy puppet Jeez. and as it turns out Mr. <sighs> Bunker is some world renowned Bunraku puppet master and he's yeah. on some residency in japan so, traveling the country doing bunraku but he's doing this can you friggin believe this yeah now get a load of this bunk funkers he's doing a bunraku based on our lives every the bunraku is about this handsome statuesque oh. buff Ugh hunky clearly well hung puppet that (laughs) every week has to abduct a couple of uh low intelligence barely functional puppets that look like us yeah and all in the sake of greater knowledge but we don't get it it's kind of a comedy, and, and for those of you not familiar, Bunraku is one of the uh, like kind of three big ancient forms of uh, theater. 
in Japan. You've probably heard of uh, Kabuki. You've uh, but Bunraku, and then there's No N O H. Those are kind of the three kind of big ancient uh, theater art forms, and Bunraku is puppet theater. And uh, yeah, he's doing this like this comedy where this yeah this 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 fucking like handsome essentially like stand in for himself which is just disgusting yeah can you imagine being so vain that you have to put yourself into your own work and like buff yourself up and like sit there and like you know say stuff like i'm a chad like how lame do you have to be to the ego on this guy nobody finds that funny or cute or enjoyable to experience as a form of entertainment like these bumbling dolts who like trip over ourselves and our schemes never work and bunker always gets the best of us and it's just what it's, a slap in the it's, face it's ridiculous because obviously as everybody knows we are hogged out chads and all of our <laughs> schemes go through without a hitch like this is yeah. not even realistic but we here, never have here problems are, like everything is here, so easy for us all the time we're hunky chads in real life that's who we are and so that to, to like see this this comedy being performed that totally reverses that and says we're big losers like I don't think so. And look, let's be honest. There's all these Bunraku enthusiasts who are out there just enjoying a fun matinee at the theater, enjoying a Bunraku show, and this is what they think. And then you know he gives our our names and addresses out at the end of every show. <laughs> so then these people think that they know who we are and they're coming uh sending us letters mocking us for being yeah. dolts being dullards well it's just not accurate we're, we're getting roasted by people in japan i mean i mean i don't know how much google translate i can use to to write out in japanese hunky chad and keep sending it back <laughs> this postage expense is getting ridiculous i mean it's really it's crazy you know uh, yeah we're, we're we're at our wits end here and there's a lot of layers to this too like the way that you know at times we can feel like puppets right. on a string with him and he's kind of doing puppetry and it's just it's a message to us as right. much as it is the bunraku yes it's not right funk funkers and you know what i don't think we're going to stand for it for much longer no you know, really i mean i think we're going to have to have a word with bunker he's hard to get a hold of but we're going to have to have a word with him yeah uh the next time we figure out where he is i'm going to be sending him a little postcard of my own yeah and that postcard is going to be a bag of doo-doo that's on fire <laughs> yeah yeah you can still send that through stuff through the mail oh yeah it's perfectly fine as long Looking as it's in a fireproof case yeah See how he likes that. Um, but anyway, that's that's our bunker postcard this week. So <laughs> look out. Let's hope next week is a little more conciliatory. Yeah, let's hope next week uh, bunker. You know, kind of understands how he slighted us. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll call up the uh, the Jim Henson Company and uh, we'll have a. A bunker puppet appear on Sesame Street, and yeah. he's a he's a he's a puppet crippled with narcissism, and he has to yeah. uh, he he lives underneath a trash can underneath Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> he lives underneath Oscar's the Grouch's trash can. Yeah, he's not even fit to be inside Oscar the Grouch's trash can. Yeah, he's he's extra trash can. Like he's outside the scope of the trash can. Yeah, and uh, yeah. 
and we'll get the Henson Company to help us out, and uh, we'll 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 pilot some fucking puppets. Yeah, we'll see about that. How about that? Yeah, you you, sh- you shaking yet, Mister Bunker? In yeah. your little in your little boots. He's wearing boots. Boot, <laughs> very, very tiny boots. Very. Yeah, t- I mean, they're. I think they're <laughs> too I small. Kid sized boots. Too small for his feet. They light up, so I think they're kid boots. <laughs> yeah, it's got the Avengers on it, and they light up like this. <laughs> they also have. Uh, he also has a pair of Heelys that he wears as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of the time in the bunker, he got little he's wheels wearing, on the back. He's wearing a SpongeBob Heelys. <laughs> well, Andy. Um, Speaking of uh, Heelys, you know, this week <laughs> oh, in boy. quarantine, you know, I don't know about you, Andy, but um, a little bit of a nostalgia trip maybe for me. Uh, I, I've been rediscovering my love of like thrash metal music and other forms of, of, of metal music. Wow. Okay. What about you? You ever? Uh, we're, we're both. We both enjoy uh, a few metal bands. But did you ever? Uh, you ever uh, look back at any? At any fondness? You know. You know what I'm saying. Um. You know. Somebody uh, recently that I know, a friend of mine, um, brought up that they didn't know very much about Megadeth. And they wanted to maybe explore the catalog a little bit and ask me for some recommendations. And it got me going back and listening to some some Megadeth. And oh, man, yeah. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to go back and listen to it to know this, but Rust in Peace is a great album. It's a great album. Start to finish. Um Megadeth is a big one. I've been listening to a lot of Testament. Testament is really good. Um Sepultura is really fucking good if you like that. Uh, what else have I been listening to? A new band, a little bit of a younger band here. Uh, they're called Power Trip. They're out of uh, Texas. They're real fucking good. Yeah, real good. Oh yeah. You like if you like thrash metal, like good, like classic fucking thrash. Those guys, those guys fucking shred. They shred, Andy. Yeah. I'm more of a speed, shred. speed metal guy myself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, never been a I mean, huge metal head. No, I don't think you have. I'm um, a dabbler. I like it a lot dabble. of things. I'm a dabbler. You, you, I think you appreciate the musicality that, uh, you know, a good face-melting solo and uh, the skill that comes with being able to play that complex, those complex scales... Yeah. That fast. Yeah, I love a. I, everyone loves a good, uh, like a well thought out, well performed solo. I think, and yeah. you know, you play it fast, and you're right. I appreciate the musicality. And I mean, Dave Mustaine has a very distinct singing voice that um, I think you know, kind of is part of the reason why Megadeth is so well regarded. It's and not- you know, the subject matter, his lyrics. <laughs> yeah. I do enjoy I do enjoy the song. I mean, because he really like leans into it a lot, and I think that that's fun. Military intelligence, you know. <laughs> he's not a good. I know too much. He's not a good singer, but there's something about the whole package together that I just. He's got it, like, man. Yeah, he's got it. He, you know, I mean, he was in Metallica, got kicked out. And just fucking said, fuck you, I'm going to make it anyway. And did yeah. it himself. Yeah. He's now got, he's Megadeth. Yeah. 
What do you think about Metallica? Hi, I'm Megadeth. Um, uh, first name Mega, last that... name Death, D E T H. <laughs> Please. Please. My father was was Mr. Death. Call me Megadeth. Megadeth. Um, Metallica. Obviously, Saint Anger, their best album. I could never really get into Metallica, to be honest with you. <laughs> that was a joke. I hope I don't know if you caught that. That was a big joke. Saint Anger is considered like one of their worst fucking albums of all time. See, I don't even know <laughs> it. I like it was much later in life. I think Metallica traded their I don't want to say that. I don't want to besmirch fucking Metallica. They're one of the biggest metal bands in the world. Like Blackened and Justice for All, the Black album. Uh, fucking Master of Puppets is like a masterpiece. A Master of Puppets. We're talking about... Pu- I mean, hello. Huh. <laughs> We've come full circle wow. here, Andy. Wow. But, I mean, yeah, Masters of, Master of Puppets is like... Like, that's a fucking perfect album all the way through. But a lot of people have never heard their first album, Kill Em All, which is very thrash, and it's very rough. Um, it's not as polished as some of their later stuff, and you can really tell, but... Um, it's, I think, I think their later stuff got a little bit more poppy, you know, like you, you'll hear enter Sandman on the radio. You will never hear most songs from their first album on the radio. You might hear seek and destroy. You might hear uh whiplash, which I think is a single off that album, but you're not going to hear any of the other songs. And to be fair, they're all like classic thrash songs where they you know if i'm being honest they all kind of have like a similar feel and tempo um except for maybe seek and destroy and a few others but um i think they went a little bit more poppy and they kind of traded in some of their metalness for poppiness which is fine they still wrote fucking great songs they still fucking shred you ever see that thing online where it's uh where it's gimme foo, gimme fa, gimme da ba da ba da where it's James Hetfield, but it's in a like a Garfield comic strip? Yes. And he, the it's like a tweet or like somebody made a fake tweet or something of him saying, Quit sending me this shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's funny. Hey, that's how we kind of feel with Bunker, am I right? <laughs> He's had, he's had yeah. all these Bunraku fans sending us fucking roasts in Japanese. Yeah, quit sending me this shit. Well, anyway, Andy, speaking of shit that should stop being sent. <laughs> you are uh, the master of the segue. <laughs> you should be a tour guide. Um, hey, extraterrestrials need to stop sending us their d- malfunctioning UFO objects. <laughs> yeah, what's up with that? What's up with that? Today's topic, Andy, is... I mean, it's just its just good, classic fun for the whole family. <laughs> it's just, um, you know, ignoring what's already happened, gather the kids around <laughs> the old <laughs> the old Victrola podcast machine and uh, settle in for a nice little story. Uh, yeah. You know. Eh, this is a family-friendly <laughs> show. Ignore the explicit tag. Have a, have a earmuff anytime we say a swear or make a sexual yeah. innuendo. Quit being a big fucking baby and listen to our <laughs> stupid fucking piece of shit motherfucking show, you fucking assholes. Oh, hey, oh, and um, today's topic, Andy, is so great because it's just it's about like five friends 
who allegedly discover this weird, possibly extraterrestrial object out in the fields coming home from school. And then they go on a little bit of an adventure with it. And uh, a lot of fun stuff happens. And there's a lot of, I mean, I think there's some explanations that are going to surprise you. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, I think so too. I think that this is, uh, it's maybe not what you think. Well, I think we're going to have a really interesting discussion about it. So uh, let's not delay the inevitable anymore. Let's, uh, let's get, uh, let's get in our, uh, let's get on our bicycles, Andy. And let's put, put our, let's get on our bicycles and ride down the street and look for the Kera object here. (laughs) That was so fucking dumb. I'm sorry. (laughs) It'll make sense in in a couple minutes. Uh, are here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Bunk Funkers, we want to take you back to your youth. Let's go on a bit of a nostalgia trip, shan't we? Now imagine yourself back in those middle school years, mm. before adulthood, before you had a care in the world. Just you and a group of friends are walking home from school, just like you do every week. But this time, you discover something strange. You're fascinated by it, and you can't believe what you're seeing. A real-life UFO object, zipping and darting right before your eyes. Well, that's precisely today's topic. A group of friends in Japan discover a bizarre object that they can't explain, and they go on a bit of an adventure with it. Some excellent teen sleuths on this one, Bongfunkers. Oh, yeah. So you sleuth fans are going to be excited. Now, more often than not, UFO stories involve spotty photography and, you know, just eyewitness accounts. But today's topic not only involves multiple sightings of the object, but photographs, the physical capturing of the object, and some rudimentary testing of it. If films like Stand By Me and Super 8 are your jam, then you'll really enjoy today's topic, we think. But before we delve right in, we need to do one bit of housekeeping, so to speak. Uh, Frequently, when dealing with UFO and paranormal topics, we're kind of aggregating a bunch of different sources to bring you the whole enchilada on the story, right? And we always cite our sources either in the show notes and or on our website. And we always will. That is a bunker promise. But today's topic is so heavily influenced by one person's work, we felt it was necessary to mention it right up top. You see, today's topic takes place in Japan in the 1970s, and while it did enjoy some cultural relevance, there wasn't really, it wasn't really brought to the Western world until folks like Rob Morphy of Mysterious Universe got a hold of it. Rob did a an awesome job aggregating a bunch of sources to bring uh, his listenership, his version of the whole enchilada on the topic. Like maybe the whole lasagna or the whole tuna casserole, you know, whatever Rob wants, whatever he's cooking up in his kitchen. So what we learned while researching this topic from our peers, such as the Fantastic Astonishing Legends podcast, is that Rob's work on this topic is often reposted without permission or credit. So... In order to break that trend and in order to give credit where credit is due, please do yourself a favor and check out Rob's work at Mysterious Universe. The article will, of course, be linked in the show notes. 
Now, on August 25th, 1972, in the Kera area of Kochi City, capital of the Kochi Prefecture on the Shinkoku Island of Japan. Hey, a little side note here. <laughs> Prefectures are essentially little state or municipalities of the unified state of Japan, or uh, as I like to call it, Nippon or Ninhon in uh, Nihongo a.k.a. Japanese. <laughs> wow. Art just couldn't wait to flex on the fact that he has a college degree in Japanese. Uh, Asian studies with a concentration in Japanese literature and language, but yeah, who's keeping track? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to speak it. Uh, anyway, on this August afternoon, a 13-year-old boy named Michio Seo was on his uh, way home from school when he noticed something hovering over a rice field. He allegedly caught sight of a strange metallic object over the rice field and, as he continued to watch, was awestruck by what he saw. He later described it saying it was uh, zipping back and forth over the paddy in an odd manner resembling what he said was like a bat chasing an insect. This thing was darting back and forth and making hairpin turns unlike any human-made object he had ever seen. He described it like a metallic It's kind of like a silver hat. So the bulk was this rounded, almost bowler hat look, but with a flat bottom and a much narrower lip. The dome of the object was rather steep, and at the apex, it was leveled off rather than being completely rounded like a semicircle. Seo's curiosity got the better of him, and he said YOLO and went after the object. Artine's still saying YOLO. Can anyone listening let us know to make sure we're still we still sound hip and with it? But the little saucer allegedly shot a beam of light at Seo, temporarily blinding him, and he fled the scene. <laughs> what a loser. Hey, Andy, this is a 13-year-old boy. Yeah, whatever. I wasn't a big weenie at 13. I was a Chad in the making. If that object wants to get aggressive with me, I'd take it to the ground and we'd get to wrestling. I always had my singlet on me. So anyway, once Seo got home, he quickly rounded up four of his best bros, Hiroshi Mori, Yasuo Fujimoto, Katsuoka Kojima, and a buddy known only as Yuji, Ooh. and told them all about this badass UFO he saw. His bros, being his bros, were a little little skeptical of Seo's claims, but were hella excited about going back to the field to find this object. At around 7 p.m., the boys went back out to the rice field where Seo first saw the object. The boys waited patiently and silently for almost an hour, when suddenly, much to their surprise, it returned. The little UFO object reappeared over the field. But as the sun dipped and dusk set in, the object began to emit a pulsating, multicolored light. One of them allegedly worked up the courage to approach the object, and it began emitting a popping noise with a bluish hue. This was enough to send the boys running back home. (laughs) Would you have stuck around for that, Mr. Tough Guy? Art, you know damn well I've never run from anything. Literally, I don't run. I will not run. The best I'll do is a brisk strut, and there better be trouble brewing. (sighs) Well, the boys were hooked. They would, uh, they would occasionally visit the uh, field, hoping to see the object once again. And on September 4th, their wish was granted. Little over a week after their initial counter, they once again spotted the object over the rice paddy. 
But, uh, well, it, it started glowing and began to zoom towards the boys, uh, causing them to scatter and once again retreat with haste. The boys had 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 enough of this friggin' little UFO scaring the shit out of them with these bright flashing lights. So they got the bright idea to bring a camera with them and capture this pesky little UFO in a photograph. So they waited a whole day staking out the field, but no luck. But the day after, the object returned. On September 6th, the boys spotted the UFO sitting idly in the field. Now armed with their trusty camera, they snapped a quick picture of it before approaching it. Once the flashbulb went off, the object on the ground began spinning and rapidly rose into the air. The unknown cameraman shot another photo just after its ascension. According to Rob's account of the story, quote, this is where the this is where accounts get a little murky. But what seems to have happened next is that the object emitted a light that was even brighter than the flashbulb's burst before once again plummeting to the ground, end quote. The still spinning object almost seemed to be burrowing into the dirt when it stopped moving. 14-year-old Hiroshi Mori approached the downed object, and in an act of, well, either bravery or foolishness, you know, your choice, he picked it up. Mori claims he, quote, felt something moving inside, and the boys took a photo of Mori holding the little UFO. And then, like a leftover ham sandwich, they wrapped the object in a plastic bag and stuffed it into their backpack and took it home. Ha 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 ha! The tables have turned, aliens. Now we're abducting you. It was only a matter of time. <laughs> now these boys got down to science in this object, uh, rather than seducing it, like Andy <laughs> or I would have. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. They measured it when they took it home and said it was nearly eight inches wide and almost four inches in height. The now inert UFO was said to weigh only about three pounds. On the bottom of the object, i.e. The, uh, the flat part with the brim, they discovered a series of concentric curves, 31 small holes and three unique designs etched into the base of the object. The gang deemed the etchings represented like waves or clouds for one part, uh, a bird or some sort of flying object in another, and then the other one they interpreted to be like a sort of look like a budding flower. There was no visible propulsion system that they could see to cause the object to hover and fly like it did. Now, following their empirical evaluation, the boys repacked the object and brought it to the home of one of the boys, Yasu- Yasuo uh, Fujimoto. Now, Fujimoto's father, Mutsuo, um, was the director of the Center for Science Education in the city of Kochi. Now, surely... Science-loving dad would be thrilled with such a discovery, right? Nope. He gave it a look over, and much like my father did, uh, decided I was little of little significance. Uh, I mean, uh, the object was of uh, little significance. (laughs) Uh, Awkward. Uh, In fact, uh, Mutsuo Fujimoto would later regret this apathy. In his words, quote, The frequent nights out of the boys began to worry parents. I told my son, if it was true what he said, to bring the object. He did. It was something like an ashtray, cast iron, but too light for this metal. It had a top down, it was impossible to open, and inside were pieces similar to a radio. 
I did not give more importance, but now I regret not having studied more closely. End quote. The boys packed the little UFO back in Maury's backpack and went home for the night. But the very next day, the object had disappeared. But don't worry, bunk funkers. Much like this object's flying, it would zip and zoom back into existence very soon. Over the course of the next two weeks, Seo, Mori, Fujimoto, Kojima, and Yuji all claimed to have seen the same or identical objects in flight on at least six more occasions. Fujimoto himself saw it three times. The gang even managed to capture it a second time, but the little bugger mysteriously disappeared yet again. But these boys were junior sleuths in the making. Hell, given some of the stories we've covered, these boys might be better sleuths than literally anyone in any topic ever. And that's including literal (laughs) detectives. The boys tried to predict when the little UFO would show up again, and they realized something. It never showed up when it rained. So they surmised that the object was afraid of water. And now they had a plan to capture it. On September 19th, the boys returned to the rice field and once again found the object sitting motionless on the ground. Kind of like Andy and I after we eat too much chili. And much like us, the boys were armed with a bucket of water and tattered rags. But unlike us, those weren't for curing the meat sweats, but for capturing little UFOs. The group tossed the rags on top of the the UFO and then poured a bucket of water over it. Then they grabbed it, turned it over, and started to fill the inside through the holes on the bottom with more water. As the water entered the system, the boys recall it emitting a, quote, cicada-like buzzing sound. The interior of the object also started to glow. The boys were worried the UFO might retaliate due to uh, this, this perceived threat, so much like teens do to us, they pelted it with stones. <laughs> it remained motionless, and then they bagged their prize once again. They took it back to Kojima's house, and the young men looked through the tiny holes and noticed what appeared to be a plethora of miniature mechanisms, levers and weird drawings inside. The intrepid youths then took more pictures and attempted to open the device by inserting a wire into one of the holes and manipulating it. Then they hung the object upside down from a wire and were able to split the top and bottom parts slightly and peek inside. They apparently saw so-called complicated electronic equipment inside the item as well as an unidentified viscous material. Concluding their second study of the object, the boys conducted their most scientific experiment yet. They hit it repeatedly with a hammer. They wanted to see how strong the outside of the material was. And to their shock, even the thinnest parts of the object easily withstood the blows of the hammer and remained unblemished. Now, at this point, the boys wanted to try some more experiments on this little UFO. Like, well, what kind of temperatures could this thing withstand? How did it hold up to intense heat? And, well, when you want to test something like that, what do you do? They wanted to stick it in an oven. (laughs) But Kojima's mom put a stop to that. Naturally. She also wouldn't let them store it in the fridge, which they wanted to do because they thought that would stop it from escaping. Boy, this is no Kathleen May, I'll tell you that much. I'll tell you, yeah, that's exactly true, Andy. (laughs) The boys concluded that the object was probably some kind of remote control device used for surveillance, but it was of an unknown origin. The boys decided to bring the object to school next day and uh, show all their classmates the hella sick UFO hunting chads that they were. 
So they wrapped it in more rags to, quote, prevent atomic radiation. That's what it takes, rags. The boys relaxed. What was that? That's what it takes, rags. That's all of our nuclear power plants full of rags. That's all you got to do. Yeah. That's all you got to do. The boys relaxed for the night, knowing that they had a sick UFO object in their possession, and that all their classmates would be jealous as fuck. They'd be the most popular kids in school for sure. But much like Art and I's middle school experience... Tragedy struck. But this time the tragedy wasn't us hitting puberty. It was the object, once again, disappearing from under its fabric confines. You see, the next day when the boys checked on it, it was gone. But this story has more twists than a game of Bop It. Because a few hours later, the boys were playing some ball at Maury's house. Uh, not Maury Povich, Maury from this story. Uh, one <laughs> yeah. of the guys threw it a little too far. Let's assume he was an art type and threw it too far to show off. Uh, oh, okay. Ruining the game and annoying everybody. Yep. But as they hopped the fence to go retrieve the ball, they spotted the UFO again sitting idly on the ground. The boys quickly scooped up the little UFO and brought it back inside. Now, these boys may win Sleuth of the Year, a coveted bunker award seldomly, in fact, never given out, because they decided to mark the UFO with paint to try and ensure that they really were encountering the same UFO over and over again. Now that's a smart move. And the sleuth of the year voters are really going to be impressed by that mm-hmm, one. The, mm-hmm. the bunk Academy is watching and uh, they like your style. Japanese teenage boys who are now much older than teens. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, yep. The bunk Academy loves stuff like that. <laughs> On the evening of September 22nd, the boys gathered together for a bike ride into Kochi City. At this point, uh, the boys didn't leave the UFO unattended, so they took turns carrying it. Now, building off of their water-subduing hypothesis, also known as the uh, M. Night Shyamalan's signs hypothesis, they kept the UFO submerged in a plastic bag of water in order to keep it from escaping. As they believed, water was the key to restraining it. They then placed the pa- plastic bag inside of a duffel bag. Not only that, but they then tied a piece of string to the wrist of whoever carried the UFO bag of water with the UFO in it. So as the boys rode their bikes into the city, they would take turns exchanging it. You know, uh, everything went smoothly until they passed a local bicycle repair shop and the last carrier, whose name wasn't revealed because, you know, who wants to be the one to ruin it? Right, yeah. Began to feel the string tugging on their wrist. The tugging then turned into a full force pull and the boy called out for his friends to help and they rushed over to open the duffel bag. They revealed that none of the knots they had tied had been tampered with, but the little UFO was gone. Sadly, the boys would never see this object again. So did this little UFO have a big impact? Apparently this case remained largely unknown until it was published in an illustrated retelling of the story in UFO Comics in May 2004. And the story gained a bit of a cult following. In 2007, Shinichiro Namiki, director of the Japan Space Phenomena Society, or JSPS, reopened the investigation of the little UFO of Kira. The JSPS sent the head of the Osaka chapter to speak with any remaining witnesses and confirmed that all involved still believed what they saw. 
The JSPS also uncovered a similar UFO occurrence in the same prefecture four years later. On June 6th, 1976, a nine-year-old girl named Sachiko Oyama, who lived in, oh boy, uh, Niodogoa Cho, art? Nio Dogawa Cho. Yeah. Ah. Nio Dogawa Cho went outside to find her pet cat. What she found instead was no feline, but a small, yellow, luminous object floating in the sky. Oyama saw the object descend into a nearby wooded grove. Oyama pursued the object and watched it allegedly hit a tree and proceed to silently land on the pavement nearby, at which point it started emitting a hissing sound. Oyama later described the object as resembling a silver hat about seven inches in diameter. Kind of sounds like Seo and the boys' little UFO, doesn't it? Apparently, Oyama even picked up the object and recovered uh, and recalled it covered in a, quote, slimy substance. For some reason, Oyama started to feel uneasy about being alone holding a potential UFO, so she put it down and started to return home. She glanced back and noticed that the object started to glow yellow once again. It rose, spun counterclockwise three times, and then shot into the sky. Decades later, the JSPS confirmed that Oyama, now in her 40s, still stands by her story. The JSPS hypothesized that maybe these were interdimensional flying objects that temporarily lost their way into our realm. So this story is uh, somewhat old. Mm -hmm. You know, it's from the 70s. And it's been it's been passed around as well as, you know, translated from one language to another. So there's a kind of a few discrepancies that we should point out before we talk about just what the heck people think this thing is. Now, some sources say it was just Seo who first discovered the object in the field, but others say it was multiple boys. Uh, some sources show it was Seo and another friend. Some say it's the whole crew right from the beginning. Does this really discredit or change the story up that much? Uh, well, I guess that's for you to decide, uh, you know. Now, maybe more interesting is that some sources say, although it can't be de facto confirmed, but something like a cotton-like substance came out of the inside of the object at one point. So, I mean, that's kind of interesting. One source, a blog in Japanese about various UFO encounters, um said that Fujimoto's father worked at Nishi High School, uh, whereas previously we stated he worked at the Center for Science Education in the city of Kochi. Again, not a huge deal. Could just be a discrepancy or something lost in translation, or maybe he works at both places. I don't know. Um, This blog source also outlined a few more events not previously stated in the Rob Murphy version. Uh, Apparently, uh, according to this blog, a pencil-like creature came out of the UFO. Now, nothing else is expanded upon here, but hey, that's pretty significant discrepancy, right? (laughs) That means there's a race of pencil-like extraterrestrials out there and they're piloting little uh, silver hats. (laughs) Sign me up. Uh, This source also describes how astronomer astronomer, uh, Sutomo Seki got involved with the story. Apparently, the boys got in touch with a daytime radio program where Seki had appeared on. Apparently, Seki was really interested in the story because he contacted a colleague in the astronomy field who was greatly interested in UFOs and then apparently visited and interviewed um, everyone who was involved and witnessed the object. Now, after all this, he published this story in an astronomical magazine. Then, 
That story got picked up by Nippon TV 11 p.m. And ran a story on the UFO, spreading it nationwide, where it enjoyed um, a nice little bit of relevance. Tsutomo Seki believed the boys involved in the case uh, and said they were serious students and that it definitely wasn't a prank. Tsutomu Seki's publication and the Nippon TV story had a good deal of impact on this story's fame, but a Japanese television television station did a recreation of the entire story for TV using the actual boys involved as the actors. In fact, most of the photos that float around online of this UFO are actually from this recreation series. And what greater impact can a story have than to make it on television? It's also now on YouTube and is linked in the show notes. So just what the heck was this little thing? And hey, how about that unidentified viscous material inside the object, huh? (laughs) Could that be the melted remains of the pilot? Like some kind of Wizard of Oz-like creature who melted from the exposure to water? You know, like the Wicked Witch. Oh, what a world, what a world. Uh, (laughs) But you know me, Bunk Funkers, I'm a real Oz freak. I relate everything to Wizard of Oz. Of course, not without my blunders. Yes, I'm talking about the time I went to OzFest 2012 cosplaying as Dorothy, thinking it was a Wizard of OzFest. Yeah, didn't you think you were going into, like, the Twister, but it was really just a mosh pit for Slayer? Yeah, he, yes. I, yes. And turns out when you tell people you are looking for the yellow brick road... They take you to a secret tent where you can pay a guy with a neck tattoo to piss on your face. I mean, at $15, it's a great deal, and that guy was really well hydrated. And he seemed clean. Clean enough. <laughs> oh, boy. Ozfest, baby. 15 bucks. Um. <laughs> oh, what a world, what a world. <laughs> I didn't melt when <laughs> that's what you I said. didn't melt when that guy pissed on my face, I'll tell you that much. No, that's that's right. Well, I was cosplaying as Dorothy, so <laughs> I was like, there's no place like piss. There's no place like piss. <laughs> Another idea that we've already touched on is a remote controlled surveillance device from an extraterrestrial. Well, according to the boys, the object uh flies with this insane precision precision even without any observed propulsion device so and this thing seemed to be capable of uh pretty damn evasive maneuvers it had like self-defense maneuvers through the use of light and sounds and it finally you know it resisted attempts to be restrained also apparently it can teleport while none of this suggests like intelligent life per se it is a possible indication of a remote controlled surveillance device you know Perhaps this was some kind of a creation of or from an extraterrestrial civilization meant to survey other planets or to observe other species and other worlds. In some ways, the bottom of the object with its um, strange engravings kind of mirrors the gold-plated disc on our very own Voyager 1, which was a which was and is a space probe launched by NASA in the in the 70s to explore the outer reaches of space. The, uh, the gold-plated disc is a kind of time capsule intended to communicate a story of Earth to any would-be extraterrestrials who come across it. The Voyager message is carried on by a uh, phonograph record, a 12-inch gold-plated copper disc containing sounds, images selected to portray the diversity of life 
and culture on Earth. Perhaps this Kara object is a similar device. Perhaps this little object got lost or off track, coughed in, caught in some interdimensional rift, and, and that's why it kept disappearing and reappearing. Or maybe, you know, those teenage boys beat the shit out of it, and it was <laughs> malfunctioning. I mean, they hit it with a hammer. They pelted it with stones. They dunked it in water, you know? Um, obviously, there's also the explanation of this all just being a hoax. Uh, there are rumors that this device was actually a toilet training chamber pot with radio components inside and pieces from a watering can. Andy, didn't your parents train you with something like that? Nope. Not needed, Art. I took to toilets almost instantly. Even in infancy, I was drawn to the porcelain. Shitting's just my vocation. What can I say? Born to do it. Can't stop it. <laughs> and I knew right where to go. Uh, it's sort of like when you put a litter box out for a kitten. Even though the kitten doesn't know, uh, if there's no other cats around, the kitten will just sort of instinctively shit in the litter box because they like to, to do that. That's how I was with toilets. <laughs> I guess I, that's good. I used to crawl where up along the toilet and I would fall in the bowl and shit. Um, Jesus. But even as an infant. Anyway, of course... Uh, we already mentioned how Mutsuo Fujimoto, the father who worked at either the high school or the Center for Science Education, inspected this device. Is it plausible that he would keep up a hoax from five teen boys after all these years? Furthermore, would the boys still keep it up all these years later, even after being interviewed by Sutomo Seki? Some sources claim that Mori, one of the boys, was good at magic tricks. Now, there's plenty of different magic tricks, but... This was a 13-year-old boy from rural Japan, so good at magic tricks that he could deceive his friends and make them believe they saw a flying UFO. And again, we mentioned how the JSPS investigated the story and believes that this wasn't a prank and all involved still believe the story. So what about our final explanation? Could this be an ashtray? There's actually very similar looking ashtrays to the Kira object, Flat-brimmed bottoms with steep domes and a flat apex. One source, translated from Japanese, shows great photos of a pipe-smoking set from the late Edo period, a.k.a. the Tokugawa period of Japan from 1603 to 1868. The set shows an ashtray for the pipes that is somewhat similar to the Kira object. In particular, the ornate design on the Edo set is pretty interesting, as the Kira object also had a design on its bottom. It doesn't match the Kira object, but it could lead us further down this ashtray theory. One source found evidence of very similar ashtrays made for various purposes. For example, one was made to commemorate a bank merger. These ashtrays have a similar look to the Kira object and also have at intricate designs on the flat, bod the flat bottom brims. When the Kera object is, uh, what the Kera object is made of, however, is a mystery. Now, most of these similar ashtrays are made of uh, cast iron, uh, namely Nambu Teki, uh, which is a form of Japanese cast iron craft in Japan for over 400 years. Um, you've likely seen a teapot or kettle advertised as Nambu Teki before, but, um, however, we should point out that uh, true traditional artisanal handmade Nambu, Nambu Teki um, can be expensive, and there are many knockoffs. I mean, 
you gotta, you know, you can get that mold stuff, but uh, check the interior and make sure it doesn't have a lining. You want that good, good cast iron interior infusing into your water and tea, baby. It's all about that patina, Andy. Oh, yeah. All right. That's our uh, part of the show where we check in with Andy about patinas. Hey, um, <laughs> hey I have a cast iron be- pan at home. <laughs> that being said, traditional cast iron is black and not a silver metallic color such as the Kera object. Now, there are foundries near Kera where the object was found. However, uh, employees and factory representatives do not believe the Kera object was, ma- excuse me, was made there. Due to how light the Kera object allegedly was, they believe it was cast aluminum, which is a much lighter um, material than cast iron while still retaining a lot of strength. In 2017, a user made a post to 2chan, which I guess I should say is now actually 5chan, depicting a ashtray that looked eerily similar to the Kera object. 2chan, or 2channel, is the precursor to 4chan slash 4channel. The creator of 4chan enjoyed going on 2chan, a Japanese image message board, to talk about anime, and uh, he wanted it in English, so he created 4chan. (laughs) That's it. Anywho... (laughs) <laughs> this image depicts the flat brim bottom of an object much eh, similar to the Kera object or what we believe the Kera object looks like. And it's made of um, old, like an old rusted cast iron. And But it does have a design that's, you know, similar to what we were told was on the Kera object. It depicts two birds flying and more of these um, kind of waves at the bottom. Hardcore skeptics of the Kera object simply believe it's just an ashtray or something else, and a bunch of teenage boys made a pact to never reveal the secret. Or perhaps one of them tricked the others, and they all really do buy into the lie. But bumfunkers, what do you believe? Was the Kera object just an ashtray? Was it an interstellar probe lost between worlds? Was it an actual UFO piloted by some water-dissolving Wizard of Oz creature? Let that all sink in for a moment. Really ponder what you believe. And now, consider this. If you could have the whole enchilada in cigarette form, would you? And if you would, would you buy a fancy cast iron ashtray to deposit those ashes? Or would you flick them off onto the brim of an extraterrestrial spacecraft? Either way, you're inhaling the whole enchilada on the Kira UFO. Hey, welcome back, listeners. That was our research of the Kira UFO. And, um... Jeez Louise, Andy. What? I mean, I guess right off the bat, we have to say this. Are we certain that these five Japanese teenage boys aren't CIA assets? Wow. Because let me say this. They waterboard that UFO. (laughs) They beat it with rocks. They kidnap it and subject it to more torture. Yeah. Water torture. 
They hang it upside down with a wire. I mean, you know, are we certain that that's not the angle that we want to explore? I, you know, it does sound like U.S. intelligence, frankly. Uh, this sounds like they're kind of an operation. Um, capture it, lose it, capture it again, torture it, <laughs> let it go, to capture it again, more torture. Still not sure what's going on. Uh, go play a game of uh, catch. And then find it again randomly. <laughs> yeah, if only if only they had sent this thing to a secret CIA prison, then yeah. we would know for sure. They had to go to a black site. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, we were we were kind of discussing, uh, like, not to hey, not to, you know, peer behind uh, the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, this curtain is some here. Wizard of Oz stuff right now. The, the Emerald City Curtain here, but. Uh, Bunkfunkers, uh, in between when we did the uh, research and the discussion, both Andy and I went to get some water. <laughs> yes, that's right. We drink water. Uh, we stay hydrated. And, um, we stay hydrated, and uh, that's 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 a bunker guarantee. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever find out that we're not hydrated, send in your proof of purchase Uh to our address that's on the website. And, <laughs> all your money uh, back. We'll give you all your money back. Um, And we were saying we have no idea what to think about this. We're both anxious to see what the other thinks. Yeah. Which I guess means neither one of us knows what the hell to make of this thing. Oof. Hey, that might be a good sign for some of you. Yeah. And I don't know. Well, let's, I mean, let's break it down here, Andy. So, yeah. yeah. Here's the thing right off the bat. This story, it got translated. It got passed around. So, you know, if there's some weird discrepancies or missing parts, that's kind of why. It's it's tough. It was like this like kind of little cultural story in Japan, you know, and it, it had a little bit of press. And then it's kind of just buried there until, like like we said, Rob Rob Murphy and, and other folks, but... You know, big credit to Rob. Um, kind of brought it over to the uh, Western English-speaking world. So, uh, you know, his and and one funny thing was actually that certain Japanese accounts actually use Rob's account as like the official account. Wow, <laughs> which I think is pretty funny. That's so it's gone first full circle here, where um, you have, um, you know. People in Japan actually like describing this event using Rob's outline of it. So I think that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, Rob really delivered the uh, the uh, the whole ramen on this topic. Now, something that kind of came up. I think, you know, obviously we kind of talk about the ashtray thing, but something that kind of came up when I was, when we were doing some research on this and um, one of our peers, the Astonishing Legends podcast, which we mentioned, and you should, if you, I mean, if you like ours, you'll love theirs. Um, You know, they, they put out fucking awesome, excellent work. And uh, I feel like most people interested in these kinds of topics definitely know who they are by now, but if you don't, they kind of brought up something interesting that I think maybe we should talk about when we're talking about this ashtray fucking kind of hoax theory. And that's that 
most of the like comparison for this event comes out because of the recreation done by that TV station, right? Right. And you know, the boys the boys have this story, right? And they say like we saw this UFO, it looked like an ashtray. It looked like this. And then someone goes, you know, someone goes like, "Oh, it looked like an ashtray." Like and then that's what they use in the recreation, and that's what everybody's kind of comparing the object to. But what we're actually comparing things to is what we saw in the recreation, not what the boys actually saw. That's just the closest thing that they had. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, like You know what I'm saying when I say that? Does that make sense? Yeah, you're saying that the you're saying that the recreation that was done for TV has somewhat muddied the water for the actual evidence that right. these boys collected at the time that the recreation has has almost created its own set of evidence that's being mistaken right. for the stuff that was found by the boys. Yeah, and and and, and unfortunately, um, when the boys did take a photo of this, they kind of just got like a bright light. It's not a very good photo uh, in the rice paddy field. Yeah, what was that, Andy? Like, I, it's not a very good photo. I mean, I get it that they're no that they're trying yeah. to like say that this is evidence, but. I, I mean, to me, it's just like it's a field with one little dot in it, and it doesn't yeah. even look particularly bright compared to the way that the flash is illuminating, like the uh, the uh, the rice or the plants in the field. Um, right. Yeah, and then there's like another there's another photo that's like of of multiple lights, but it, it's not doesn't seem like it's the same thing like from the description to me you know what i mean right right like i like the photographic well, where are you kind of leaning on the uh this this ashtray theory um okay the, with with everything with the training potty and with the ashtray i'm like okay but if they whacked it with a you know, I guess you have to just say, do you believe the teen boys or not, right? Because it's like if they whacked it right. with a hammer, like even an ashtray, you're either going to dent it or break it, or a right a potty, you're going to dent it or break it. It's not like they make this stuff to with this like this is not tactical, some sort of alloy that they're making for an ashtray. I mean, cast iron, cast iron's pretty fucking strong. You don't think a cast iron pan could withstand getting hit with a hammer? Yeah, but again. You know what the what the people at the foundry said. It's like it's so light, right. How, right? It doesn't square that if it was really that light, it's probably not cast iron. Like I admit right. that some of the because uh, I mean uh, even a yeah a cast iron pan is gonna you know you got a hefty pan eventually. There, yeah, eventually you're gonna like you'll probably make a mark. Like to say that it's 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 unable to be marked. Like I mean it would be hard and you would have to hit it a bunch, but. I think you could make a mark. Um, you know the it doesn't doesn't even necessarily look cast iron to me though. But again, it's like what didn't the the object? But then it's like we're kind right. of talking about this other stuff, right? Like not the actual thing itself that they saw. So it's 
It is. It's muddied a little bit. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's difficult. I think one of the things I think about that is interesting to me was mm-hmm. that adults did look at this. Right? right. And you would think that they could recognize if it was an ashtray or something else. And especially like an adult like Mr. Fujimoto who worked at this science center or was a high school teacher. So I guess on the one hand, you got to say like, is he in on the hoax? And then if he is, the kids are. And so is, you know, Sutomu Seki. And it's like, I don't know. On the one hand, are you like, are these kids, I mean, 40, 50 years later, still keeping this hoax up? Yeah. I don't know. You got to think that maybe they believed what they saw. Yeah, at this point, it's like, why would you keep Are they going still maintaining it? this ruse all these years later? Yeah, it's it's hard to believe. But it's also hard to believe, you know, it's like maybe they just did and the, they have some kind of like pact about it. But I don't know. It's, it's an unclear of why they would have that pact. Like, what are they? <laughs> like, why? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't explain. You know, people do mis- people do weird, mysterious things. I mean, you know, hey, we oh, were both teenage little me. boys. <laughs> I did a lot of weird, mysterious things after everyone else in my house went to bed and the computer was available. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you and I found that thing, we would have been cranking off. <laughs> there would have been no doubt what the viscous material inside of our kid or UFO was. <laughs> What would you have done? What 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 would uh, what would little thirteen year old Andy have done if he found the Keto UFO? You know, little little Cheeto dust finger covered, verbally abusive, <laughs> red winter coat, and blue and yellow puffball hat wearing little thirteen year old Andy. What would he have done? Is this thirteen year old me or current day me? The description is identical. <laughs> uh, you haven't changed. I- it's what do so you think you would have done? What would 13-year-old Andy would have done? I always find it so hard to put myself in these positions because I feel like, I don't know, it didn't do anything that really scary, it sounds like. You know what I mean? But as a 13-year-old, I probably would have been freaked out a little bit. Um, oh, this is coming from the guy who fucking camped out in a tent with his bros and then they said they saw a light and then he got scared. Come on. Ah, uh, but then I went back out. If I was alone, yeah, yeah. probably I would have run off. Um, but with uh, some other people, I don't know. I might have been able to get up some courage. But, huh? I don't know. I don't. I mean, because like I said, all it does is kind of like sh- shine light at you, right? You probably yeah, like, shone oh, a light. It buzzed. Thing? Fucking, fucking, zapped, zipped around. I kind of feel like my curiosity would have gotten the better of me. But I probably would have been afraid of being vaporized. Yeah, you would have been afraid it was a fucking... It would vape you out, outsmoke you. <laughs> yeah, that I would get, you know, borne aloft by a huge vape cloud. <laughs> you, would, you would be afraid that this little UFO would take the world's biggest bong rip and totally fucking <laughs> dunk on your ass at, a, at some cool party. Yeah, that I'd get a contact high from being near this thing. <laughs> Um, oh, great. There's my arch nemesis, little UFO. Totally stole my crush. <laughs> yeah, I would be crushing hard on this UFO. Fucking like I, stole like I my crush. Is taking her to the dance. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I would love- I'm imagining that little UFO becomes like the most popular kid in school. <laughs> like you, you capture the little UFO and you bring it to school thinking like everyone's gonna, it's going to be like the coolest thing and everyone's going to think you're cool. But then little UFO just becomes the coolest kid in school. Oh man. And like starts wearing sunglasses and wearing like a letterman jacket. I would be so like a, like a jacket with David Letterman's face on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like one of those late show jackets that he used yes. to wear. Yeah. Um, I uh, I would be over the moon if the uh, little UFO would ask me to the Sadie Hawkins dance. <laughs> yeah, you'd show up, take photos. In my khaki pants. And uh, would you get a limo? A limo, yeah. For the, for the little UFO, yeah, you have to. Uh, oh, wow. You got to impress this UFO. That's right. It's from another planet, from another another species i mean i would spare no expense i would take the little ufo to dinner at longhorn steakhouse and oh wow you'd throw some peanuts on the and, ground <laughs> that's the texas roadhouse the long oh that's the, texas roadhouse the upscale version there's no no wow. uh, food waste on the floor uh yeah i'll get a caesar salad for the table dump dump it on the floor i want that Put texas roadhouse feel I'm done with the salad. I want the Texas Roadhouse feel. <laughs> there's no. You there's fucking no. finish your steak. You just throw your plates on the ground. Yeah, that's what you do here, right? <laughs> there's no peanuts. I have to throw something on the floor. <laughs> well, you guys didn't put out any peanuts, I see, so I had to throw something. <laughs> so every time I finish a drink, I'm going to throw it on the ground, okay? Excuse me, waiter, can I get a fucking refill? Just fucking knock it on the ground like a cat. <laughs> Yeah, it was popular. And uh, yeah. Little UFO is like, um, I, I don't think you should be doing that. I, I mean, I'm not from this planet, but even I know this isn't right. <laughs> it's okay, baby. They expect it. <laughs> Whoa, boy, look at this bill. Listen, uh, I know you're not from around here, but we got to dine and dash. Can you teleport <laughs> us out of here? Oops. <laughs> I shouldn't have ordered. Two, I shouldn't have ordered the bone and ribeye for two for just me. <laughs> the forty-eight ounce tomahawk ribeye for just me. The fucking waiter uh, pours water for the little UFO, and you get real steamed to him. Don't do that to my girlfriend. <laughs> she can't have water. Ooh, ooh I should do it. <laughs> it's like you're introducing little ufo to your parents for the first time and they like try to offer her a glass of water to drink and mom it's like this awkward oh. dawson's creek like fucking soap opera moment yeah <laughs> oh god god <laughs> i told you little ufo can't have water god <laughs> guys And then the season culminates with you and little UFO having awkward, awkward sex. <laughs> Which hole do I put it in? <laughs> There's 31 options. I'm sorry, this, this is like never ba- happens to me before. This is like the Baskin Robbins of losing my virginity. You ejaculate all over the place. And then little UFO is like, no, it's, it's okay. 
I do that too. And then it fucking spews out its viscous <laughs> cotton material. <laughs> then I'm covered in that slime for days. Fucking... Yeah. Yeah. Those so were anyway, the days. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> this is a family friendly show, by the way. Um, uh, 13-year-old Art would have probably blamed the little UFO for why his crush won't message him back on MySpace. <laughs> yeah. I would have blamed it. Yeah, a lot of external No, I would have been freaked out. Oh, yeah. Very angsty at that age for me. Very angsty. Um, no, I probably would have, like, instantly f- fallen in love with the little UFO and then, like, wanted it to be my girlfriend but been too <laughs> um, afraid to actually ever ask it out. Okay. That was kind of my MO that was, until yeah. uh, high school. So <laughs> that's probably what I would have done. I probably would have, like... Uh, admired the little UFO from afar and been like, oh, a fucking little UFO like that would never notice a guy like me. Fucking loser like me. I don't know why I talk like this when I was 13. I talk like Bill Clinton. Oh, hey, little UFO. What's up, buddy? You want to play some saxophone? Little UFO, I feel feel your pain. (laughs) Little UFO, what's up, buddy? You should meet my friend Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Go right on his plane. This, oh, boy. This took a turn. <laughs> this gets this is a very dark arc for the little UFO. Yeah, the little yeah, UFO yeah. goes down a real dark yeah, rabbit hole. This is, this is not a good place for the little UFO to be. Get out of there. That is not the side of humanity you want to be inspecting. <laughs> should not have spent any time with 13-year-old art. The UFO. Um. So anyway, yeah, uh, ashtrays, and uh, you know, I mean, I guess you're right. I guess it's really. Do you believe it's a hoax? Do you believe it's something else? Um, really, what we're going off here is these five boys' story. Yeah, because we don't have much else. That being said, a lot of adults did kind of take a look at it. You would kind of think that they would, I don't know, say like, yeah, that's just a fucking ashtray, you dumb boys. Quit being dumb boys. Hey, maybe maybe the mom didn't want them to put it in the oven in the refrigerator because it literally was a chamber pot that somebody had shit in at some point. <laughs> and she recognized that right away that, oh, this is a place where someone takes a shit. There's no way you're putting it anywhere near our kitchen. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Maybe. Jeez. She's Jeez. she's no Kathleen Mrs. May. Mrs. Kojima. Jeez Louise. She's no Kathleen May, but Mrs. Kojima does not like no, a chamber true. pot in her oven or refrigerator. Well, well you know. <laughs> chamber pot full place of for them. radio equipment. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to make of this um, story. Yeah, it's it's quirky. I'm I'm perplexed by it. I'm perplexed by it. Do you think that it's a legitimate UFO? Do you think that they legitimately saw a UFO? Uh, I mean, it's definitely an unidentified object. Yeah, it definitely feels UFO. Yeah. Does it feel extraterrestrial? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, 
It definitely feels UFO. It could be man-made. It could have been some kind of military object or not. I mean, we don't know. Obviously, the boys say that there's there's no propulsion device on it, but who knows? Uh, Japan is often known as being a uh, technologically advanced society. They often have um, they often have things before we ever did. Um, so who knows? Maybe this was like early drone technology that uh, you know that uh, these boys were discovering and they didn't know what to make of it. I mean, this is 1972, you know? You know what I kind of like? Kind of like the idea that... Cheesecake. That this isn't a, this isn't a craft, but that it is, oh. that it is a, that it is a, uh, a creature. That the whole thing is Ooh. some sort of, some sort of weird new life form. Uh, and that's why it, it has these kind of like, it acts defensively and stuff because it's 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 sentient and it's it's a life form. It's not it's not a craft. There's nothing inside of it except the the object that this is some sort of like extraterrestrial uh, or some newly developed kind of life form uh, that just happens to be metallic and shine lights at you like a little uh, yeah like a little little turtle. Yeah yeah. That's kind of neat. I mean, it's pretty neat. I mean, I'm not, I'm not buying it, frankly, but, uh, oh, okay. Cause how does it get away and all this stuff, right? Like that, but it's neat to think about. It's neat to think about. It's, it's fun. If that, if I felt like that was a good thing, like I would be into that. I wish that that was true. <laughs> I wish it was true. That's what I want. I wish I could be into that. So like, if go the little back. UFO didn't break my heart years ago, I, yeah. maybe I could be ready to accept the fact that there's a strange uh, new species of floating silver turtles. Yeah, go, go back and just imagine that that whole scenario with me at the dance, that's not just a UFO with some pilot inside. That is just an, it's just an, a creature. It's an animal, like a <laughs> sentient animal that I took to the dance. Oh, geez. We all thought Andy would bring his, like, aunt to the dance or his cousin or something lame, but he brought an animal. That's even worse. (laughs) A a strange animal not of this world. (laughs) Couldn't get a date on this planet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, part of me, I like the story. I think it's a fun little story. Oh, yeah. It's very, you know, Super 8 standby-me-esque. You could totally see it as a film. Yeah, this is their It hasn't been made into one already. Yeah. Um, I guess it kind of was. Just on Japanese TV. Yeah, I mean, this is... This is kind of what... Well, yeah, you're right. And, um... I did think it was an interesting choice that that... That Japanese TV recreation documentary, like every time they would show the like photographs of the extraterrestrial or whatever, they also played photograph by Nickelback. <laughs> it's a good choice. <laughs> Look at this photograph. It's a tiny extraterrestrial from outer space. This is where I grew up. <laughs> This is where I went to school. 
Every day we saw a UFO. <laughs> Tried to bring a UFO into class. <laughs> and the teacher nearly bust my Teacher ass. says it wouldn't pass. <laughs> <laughs> this is um, my son's loving dad. Oh, he didn't think my UFO was so rad. Tried to put it in Mrs. Kojima's oven. She wasn't having none of that shit. Oh. <laughs> when I made a mirror bring around my back door. <laughs> Me and Koji were playing baseball and the ball flew over the fence. And we found it. We found it. <laughs> <laughs> Check out our new uh, Nickelback cover band, uh, Penny Front, uh, coming your way <laughs> with our digital release um, picture. Picture the hit single off Penny Front's new album. Um, do you do you unironically like that song? Unironically, like, I kind of unironically like it. Wow, no, I don't. I, it's brought so much joy. I mean, it's not like a good song, but like I still enjoy it. Does that make sense? I guess. Yeah, you like a bad thing. Like it's like a meme. It's it's funny. It's a meme song. It's uh like I don't know. It, it's funny. I like it. Okay. You li- when you hear it, it's funny. It makes you smile. You you like it. Look at this photograph. You unironically Every like it. Every time I do it, makes off. me laugh. You unironically. What the hell is on Joey's head? <laughs> You unironically like it, but really for an ironic reason. I guess that's true. Like the irony led you to actually like the song. I mean, that song came out when I was around these teenage boys' age. When I was around, like, I think it came out like when I was 13, 14-ish. So I I remember watching the music video on VH1. So... So what you're saying is that Nickelback was the biggest part of your formative years. Yeah, and it explains a lot. Um, yeah, truly, that does. Yeah, August 2005, I would have been, I would have been 13 years old. Wow, I was exactly, I was exactly. This is fucking. Photographed by Nickelback is my Kara object. Discovering that song. Wow. This is incredible. What a revelation about uh, art today. Um, (laughs) Did you show um, Photograph to your dad? Oh, God, no. (laughs) Mm. You didn't give... You didn't give I your dad a chance to get examine this fucking it. shit out of my face. What are you talking about? I don't give a shit. <laughs> All right, so he would have reacted yeah, sure, the same whatever. way. Um, would you have brought this to your parents? <laughs> um, I don't know what I would have done if I if I was in the same position and I captured and I got this thing. I probably would have because I would have wanted to like make sense of it, right? Yeah. You might seek somebody with maybe some more knowledge just to try to get a clue on what it is. 
right? 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 Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I used to get up to a lot of trouble when I was that age. I was a little, uh, I was a little, I could, I was, you know, who knows? Who knows what kind of crew I was rolling with back then? 12, wow. 13, you know, the types of, types of shit I would get up into. Um, wow. Uh, so I think, you know, what I think is that Seo and, uh, Fujimoto and Kojima and Yuji and all these boys, you know, Hey, they had some good heads on their shoulders because they went and did science. Yeah. I can't say that I would have done the same. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. When I was a youngster, I was trying to, I was, we were trying to cheat video game machines by right. kicking them. We would kick them like arcade machines. We would kick arcade machines to try and like force them to um give us free plays. Cuz one time it, like we d- we did that and it worked and so we thought that it worked every time and it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think I right. had the I don't think I had the schooling or the brains to uh to properly interact with this uh little UFO and so I'm glad that these boys discovered it and not me. <laughs> yeah, I think And if world- we weren't doing that, we were riding around riding around town stealing uh stealing um tire tire air caps off of um other people's bikes. <laughs> I think that everyone can agree that it's better for the world that these boys found this object than you. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's 100% true. We, we set it up top. We both would have used it to crank off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty much Which everything I think was these a- boys conveniently left out of the story. You don't think any one of them was like, all right, let's take turns cranking off into it. <laughs> Look, we all know how this ends up. Okay, let's each just take it home, crank off into it, and see what happens. It's for science. <laughs> for science. It's We gotta see if cranking off is the way to activate the propulsion system, okay? If the water killed it's a that, hypothesis. If the water killed the pilot, who knows what our jizz will do? Let's try it. <laughs> um, I don't know, Andy. I Honestly, I have no idea what I'm going to say. You know, I don't know if you're ready to get to verdicts here or not, man, because I don't know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what to say either. I guess, I guess. Okay. Let's, let's go into verdicts and this will probably be a little bit messy. Um, I'm just going to shoot from the hip here. Bunk funkers. I, I don't know what to make of this thing. So I'm probably going to be in the middle of the scale. Um, okay. Like, uh, I guess fair fair I guess I guess to me this whole thing like do I really think that it's an actual extraterrestrial craft uh I got to give that like 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 plausible smidge if that it's actual actual extraterrestrial craft or being wow just because okay, i you said middle of the scale but that's very hard. clearly to one yeah that's that's i'm considering this like a sub verdict of the actual whole verdict um okay or is that the only verdict that i have to give 
<laughs> that's I mean, the whole thing. So. Okay. Well, wow. do you think it's a so you think it's a hoax? You think it's a hoax? Well, I just you know it's like I just don't. I does not. It's not so consistent with what I think that there are like extraterrestrial crafts just running around in Japan. But it's a very weird. It's a very weird thing. Um, right. So it's like I I kind of give it plausible smidge, not based on the merits of this story, but just based on my like worldview. Um, sure. But it's like I don't I don't want to say that. Like, do I think that these boys? these guys believe their story like i'm almost like straight down the middle like plausible that they believe it but does that mean that it's sure. does that mean that it's a that it's a that it's an extraterrestrial craft i don't know but it's like if it's an you know if they believe what they if they believe what they saw there's a disconnect between it being not something else because like how is it moving why is somebody doing this and creating this weird thing uh right like if this is just some prank that somebody was playing you know how did they get it back from when they had it in their house so i guess maybe i'm kind of how do you explain all the flashing lights how do you explain the yeah sound i guess i'm kind of doubtful of the story but then i come back to this point of like for 50 years they've been like maintaining this i don't get it you know like, why go through with it? Are they, like, getting some kind of, like, royalties from this story or something and they don't want to reveal it? I don't know. But it doesn't make sense to me. That- yeah, it's 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 tough to know. I mean, obviously, I mean, we covered this when we covered, like, Mothman. We yeah. covered this when we covered Flatwood Monster. You know, it's like, why, why do the, um, the May brothers, why do they still believe it? Yeah. All these years, even though people ridicule them, right? You know, yeah. It's the it's the exact same thing. They believe they saw something. Yeah. I mean the the difference is yeah. they saw something one time. That's the whole story. This story, these boys say that they saw it, they picked it up, they captured it, they held it, and they like photographed it and all this other shit. So I guess where I'm going with this art is is there were multiple people. There's all these intricate details of the story across a number of different people. It seems like there's a lot of opportunity for somebody to, you know, in some interview, say something that's not right or that's not consistent with what everybody else is saying. And then all of a sudden right. people are like, well, we don't believe this anymore. Yet, despite there being at least a couple of different looks into this, everyone kind of agrees that it seems like they're being truthful. So either they've got really good commitment to the bit, way better than me, um, yeah. or they actually experienced something. Um, so right. I don't really know how to, I mean, I don't really know how to rate their, their story other than plausible. And yet I agree that makes a disconnect with my own worldview. If I say, well, this is plausible that they actually, I think that they believe that they saw something, but I can't explain what it was that they saw. True. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And I'm not going to fault you for that. Thank you. I'll fault you for everything else you've done, the war crimes you've committed. Very valid. The the slaps in the face that you've given me. I deserve that. The dishonor that you've brought to, you know, the name of this show and everything else. Um, that's valid. That verdict, I am not going to fault you for. Thank you. 
This is the one thing that I've done in my life that doesn't deserve fault. Yeah. Um. Oh God, now it's my turn. <laughs> I'm in the hot seat, and I don't want to be here. Do I think it's some kind of remote relay device or UFO craft or something or other? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go plausible minus and a half. Okay. You know, I don't really. I don't know. I, I think. I think the water has been muddied. You know, there's too much uh, viscous, melted extraterrestrial pilot slash witch, wicked witch, witch of the West goo in the water, and I can't see. I can't see my own reflection. Yeah. Uh, I. What am I trying to say here? I. I don't know. We have this like recreation. We have the story. It's like. I don't know. If we're just kind of working off the story, it's kind of like, okay. But then it's like, we have all this recreation business and we have all these ashtrays that people are finding. And it's just kind of like, I don't know what to think. I'm too much. I'm getting like overloaded. Here. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go with plausible minus and a half. I get what you're because, saying. You know, it's not like Tehran UFO, which we always harp back on because it's one of the few that we've looked at that we both were kind of like, holy shit, like, what the fuck happened yeah, here? Yeah, that... I don't fucking know what happened here. Yeah, this this one... This one is... This one's, like, closer for me than the Chicago UFO. Oh, for sure. Just because yeah. there's more... There's more of a... You know, like, Tehran, this has multiple eyewitnesses and stuff, but, you know, they're teen boys. They're much less credible than, like, trained military pilots and stuff. Um... But at the same time, it's kind of like, I don't know, this just, it feels different, right? There wasn't, the explanation right. for Tehran, and we we say this a lot, I know, bunk funkers, you're tired of hearing this, the skeptic's explanation for Tehran was a walkabout. It was quite a ways around to get there. A lot of stuff had to happen to make sense. And we don't like fucking walking or moving. This could literally just be like a porcelain thing you shit in that was full of radio equipment. You know, like... Or or a commemorative ashtray, <laughs> like it's yeah. an expensive artisanal handcrafted <laughs> ashtray, and these boys are like, let's fucking hit it with a hammer and fill it with water. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I don't know. It's it's just hard. It's it's hard, but it's not quite as hard as yeah. uh, Tehran. And I mean that both for you know, the strength of my erection for it and also how difficult it is to <laughs> give a verdict on it. Well, yeah, I mean, as far as all the UFOs we've covered that we want to crank off to, I mean, I think this one probably takes the cake. <laughs> yes, yeah, as, as far as crankable UFOs go. <laughs> Where's our crankability scale, huh? The bunker crankability scale. The crank meter. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So, and and and, I guess for the other verdict on whether this is like some kind of hoax, I I I don't know. I think, I think I'm with you. I think I just have to go like straight. Pl- I guess plausible minus that it's a hoax. Okay. So which would mean that it's not. You're a hoax. leaning toward it not being a hoax. Yeah. Okay. I think that these guys saw something and. Maybe the best way that they could recreate it was all this ashtray talk. Yeah. And maybe that wasn't the best thing in the world. Right. Because 
Um, it kind of like, yeah, it, it's like a, um, it's like a misdirection tactic that a politician would use or something where they, they start getting you to argue about the, the merits of a ceremonial ashtray instead of getting, t- sitting down and actually talking about what kind of friggin' UFO <laughs> these teenage boys saw. That's a, that's interesting. I, I, you know, it's like, they want to get you to talk about ashtrays and the different materials of ashtrays and the design. It's like. I don't know what. You know, then we're kind of forgetting about all the other stuff they said about it buzzing and right. lighting and spinning like crazy and all this movement. Um, you know, that's a pretty good point, though. It's like maybe maybe all this other stuff is sort of a red herring in a way when it's just like people are just drawing connections to it. But it's like does it make it, it doesn't make any more sense that there's an ashtray full of radio equipment that they for some reason can't open. And get inside and they hit it with a hammer and it didn't break. Like, you know, there's none of it really makes sense if you just take it all together. And I will say this. Most of the ashtrays that they show have wider openings. Yeah, there's 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 uh, spots. Most ashtrays obviously have like a large opening because you want to flick all the ash inside of the ashtray. Whereas this thing allegedly has what looks like a uh, like a shower drain type of design i mean we don't really know but they say there's like a bunch of different holes on it yeah does that really sound like an ashtray would that be a functional ashtray because you'd be flicking ash into that thing but it would just sit on top fall into the holes it would like pile up yeah we don't know the size of the holes either but still like a series of 32 holes is not optimal for an ashtray (laughs) well and from what they did in the recreation you know it looks these aren't big holes, right? Like it's not thirty-one right. like good size holes. It's like smaller holes in it. So yeah, and, I agree. Uh, it doesn't make sense to be an ashtray unless you unless that like center disc or whatever removes and there's like something a way to get into the inside of it. But right. that didn't seem to be the case either. Um, and I will say this, that after Baskin Robbins 32 flavors closed, uh, they opened up 31 holes. Not as good. Not as good. Uh, not as fun to go there after a T-ball game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> going, going down to Baskin Robbins 31 holes. It's only, it's only the middle parts of donuts and <laughs> all the bathrooms are really lacking in privacy. It's only stalls and, you know, there's little there's little spots you can look through in every <laughs> stall. Well, I, and I mean, what you're like, it's like, what are you supposed to do with some of the things that you get at Baskin Robbins 31 holes? Like you go there and it's like, you can buy a glory hole, a butthole, a wormhole. Uh, you can buy a hole in one. It's like, what am I supposed to do with these? Yeah. things? So many holes. I mean, there's more, way more holes in, uh, in the world than I think we're, uh, we're really understanding the, uh, the book holes. Yeah. Book book holes. Um, punch holes. I mean, there's so I mean, and it was kind of like, what am I, I, I can't eat these things. What's the purpose of this? There story, was a whole know, enchilada. There was a whole enchilada. <laughs> that was a fun play on words they did, uh, but they were just trying to pad out the stuff. Yeah, yeah they, they ran out of they holes. Couldn't, they couldn't actually get 31 holes, so they had to start changing it to W-H-O-L-E. Yeah. Uh, which is which is which is frankly that's they copped out, like that's yeah you know that's cheap. Um, 
Well, I think those are our verdicts. Yeah, Andy. I guess those are some semblance of verdict on this. Yeah, some kind of some kind of verdict. Some kind of verdict. Boom, 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 boom. More cowbell. Um, I guess, and uh, I guess, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess let us know what you think. Yeah, do you have do you have better um, verdicts than we do on this? What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, do you want to come do the podcast instead? Yeah, you think, because maybe you'd be better. You think at you're it. so freaking smart? You think you're smarter than us? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. okay, that's that valid. You are all smart. You might have us there. Yeah. You might have us. Don't there. look at our test results. Um, use the hashtag my little UFO. <laughs> yeah, my little UFOni. My little UFOni. <laughs> That's in honor of art. Um, yeah. And uh, let us know what you think. Uh, email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Tweet at us or find us on Instagram at mrbunkerpod. Uh, find us on YouTube, Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast, and at Twitch at mrbunkerpod. And let us know what you think about the Kera, the Kera object and anything else. Um, yeah, we've been getting a lot of uh, emails and DMs and oh, stuff. Yeah. Keep them coming. Oh, DMs. We love oh, yeah. hearing from you. That's right. Um, well, Andy, uh, is there anything else you want to say about the Kera object? Um, I just got to one one more time. Let's let's give it up for these, these junior sleuths. Uh, oh. These... Truly are intrepid youths, and um, I only wish that I could have been like them when I was that age. Um, yeah, I mean, I would not have had the forethought to do scientific experiments with it. I probably would have. I don't know. I might have been like, yeah, yeah, this is a fucking thing. I I might have. I had the forethought to print off a photograph of a woman whose breasts were exposed so that I could crank off to it later in my own room <laughs> instead of in a, a, a room where the whole family would be. So that's, it's <laughs> thinking ahead. Did we both do that? I mean, I think everybody did that. Yeah. At least that's what I tell myself. <laughs> Man, we were obsessed with cranking off. These guys were obsessed with science. Yeah. That's why they're, that's why they're winning the coveted Mr. Bunker Sleuth of the Year Award. They're successful, and here, Potentially. And here we are verbally cranking off for you every week. Yeah, that's why they're in the running for it, and we're yeah. not. So I'm not in the running you know? for anything. I don't run. <laughs> I won't even run for office. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably not allowed to at this point. Yeah. <laughs> they get one whiff of this podcast, you're done. <laughs> I'm cooked. Yeah, I don't know. He talks about cranking off a lot. I mean, I kind of identify with that. I think I'm going to vote for him. <laughs> he doesn't seem to have... That's my alderman. That's my alderman. He has poor comprehension <laughs> skills, and he clearly loves masturbating. I mean, <laughs> this guy could be me. <laughs> now, that's a guy I want to get a beer with. <laughs> we need a more... <laughs> We need more voices in city council that are talking about cranking off and don't understand what's going on. <laughs> That's the real problem with politicians these days. They don't talk about cranking off enough. They're, you know, you got all these politicians these days. They're competent. They're smart. They're not talking constantly about touching themselves. 
<laughs> I don't get it. I don't identify with that. <laughs> well, maybe one day, you know, one day we'll get somebody in office who really fucking speaks to the heart of the matter and speaks to the people. Just can't stop talking about cranking off. Can't stop. Won't stop. Refuses to stop. Despite repeated pleas for him to stop, he will not stop. <laughs> well, um, we'll see. I mean, maybe at the end of the year, we'll have to have a little competition, see who wins Sleuth of the Year. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll see. I think, but I really, you know, I think maybe we'll have some bunk funkers cast their votes in and we'll see who wins. Um, but I think that these teenage boys from Japan are uh, definitely front runners. Yeah, to this to date they are for sure front runners. Well, uh, I think that concludes it here Andy and we're going to have to get inside our little UFO mm-hmm. and uh zip and zap all the way back to Chicago and leave uh leave the uh great nation of Japan for now. Um so for the not the titular Mr. Bunker. No. Because uh, we're kind of uh, not on speaking <laughs> yeah. terms right now. Yeah, that guy couldn't. But for my uh, who logic, <laughs> I think. Yep, sure. Pu- I have Pelagic. Pelagic. Pu- logic. <laughs> Poo logic. <laughs> Most of my verdict was based on poo logic. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you use to problem solve every day. Yeah. Poo logic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I use poo logic. I work it out with a pencil. God. Pelagic, I don't know. Of relating to living or occurring in the open sea, oceanic pelagic. <laughs> uh co-host, Andy Hart. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. We come in peace. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy happy reading. reading!